The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme and joined by Mark Immelman tonight. And this is the first round recap of the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Uh, an exciting round out there. Mark, how you doing? How was your time out there today? Uh, time's good. Um, still got my mask on here, but, but all doing well, man. It was, it, it, Memphis is one of my favorite stops on the PGA Tour for various reasons. I mean, I uh, loved Elvis, you know, Beale Street's so cool, um, but the golf course is awesome. And, and FedEx is obviously a big sponsor of the tour, and that St. Jude Children's Hospital will move you. Um, so, so it was nice, and I was, I was glad some of the, uh, the big names showed up in round one, really. Absolutely. Um, and, and you mentioned what, uh, what, what St. Jude and what FedEx and, and FootJoy, what everybody's doing this week from a charitable contribution aspect is just tremendous. So you love that aspect. But uh, we are on the YouTube today. So make sure if, if you're not, if, if you're just listening, make sure you go over there uh, and watch. You can find us there, youtube.com slash the first cup podcast. And you can see Mark's mask. You can see, you can see my, adjusting my cables here too. <laughs> you can see the cables adjusting. You can see it all. Uh, and that's what it's all about. So join us over there. If you haven't already subscribe and, you know, feel free to leave some comments and reviews. We love that. It's great for us. But Mark, let's get right to it. Brooks Kepka. Uh, Everybody was counting him out. Everybody's counting him out again. And this guy just smells another really big trophy. He is now leading the field. And Jacob has some really great stats here, which we'll get to. But Brooks Kepka, last time he won the PGA Championship 2019, the week before was the AT&T Byron Nelson. He came in fourth. Uh, and the year before that, it was this event, but at Firestone, uh, the Bridgestone Invitational. And he came in fifth. So, Brooks Kepka gets really close to majors and then he seems to switch it into gear. I know you were out there with his group today. What'd you make of his play? What do you see? What's different, Mark? Well, I, I guess my first observation is that this is kind of emblematic of what the PGA tour is. I mean, these guys just need to find something once just one week. And, and, and then the momentum shifts and he had been saying as much and, you know, he had said to me and I'd said this so on the podcast and was looking like a bit of a, a numbskull because I was repeating what he was saying, but he was like, you know, the game's close and I'm there. And yeah, the knee issues came out a little bit, but I think that stuff was a function of two hectic weeks around a hard walk, which is Muirfield village, lots of hills and stuff and uneven slopes and that sort of thing. But, you know, Memphis is a, a, a a flattish course. He's happy around here. He hooked up with uh, Pete Cowan and Claude Harmon. And he said the miscut um, was a bit of a blessing because they got to work pretty hard and they made a marginal adjustment to uh, his alignment, his left foot. They pull it back, which would allow him to get onto that forward leg a little easier. Uh, and with that strong club face he carries, you've got to get through the golf ball to s stabilize and support the club. And, 
and all of a sudden it's stuck. And then he makes some putts, and next thing you're shooting eight under par, which was a heck of a round. I mean, yes, it was a soft golf course, but the winds were difficult. It was challenging out there. And if you missed, we saw numbers being made left and right. So it, it was a heck of a day and, and just kind of what these guys do. It sometimes just takes one thing and you can turn the tide. Yeah, 62 is heck of a round out there. I mean, you can say the conditions were soft. He still beat everybody in the field, some of the best players in the world by uh, by two or more. So extremely impressive out of Brooks. It looks like he has the fade back, which is what I noticed, and it probably has a lot to do with that footwork and him finally able to get through the ball. He looks extremely balanced. And the ball looks to be, I mean, on TV, Mark, you would know better than I, but it looks like it's fading. And now all of a sudden he's in control and now he's not short-sighting himself. He mentioned um, last week that his short game was fine. The stats are terrible because he's hitting it into the worst possible places. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I sent you guys that. I sent you guys that quote. That's exactly right. So I I I need to share for the listeners and the folks on the YouTube, right? So all longtime fans of this podcast know that Kyle and Rick, and to a smaller extent, you, 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 you're more of a golf sort of thinker guy. Yeah, I get in there too, though. I, I like to dive into the numbers. And everything, there's a strokes gain metric or a strokes lost metric to everything. And someone asked Brooks in the press conference prior to the event, yo, Brooks, uh, your short game's up to maggots. What's up? <laughs> he goes, well, the statistics show that. But the truth of it is my chipping and stuff is fine. I've just missed the ball in some wrong spots where it's next to impossible to get up and down. So what I did was I took a picture of this in the transcript and sent it to the group chat. And by the way, crickets. Didn't hear anything from water <laughs> or gaming at all. So, I, you know, I will say, uh, and to their defense, because they're not here to defend themselves, and I'm sure we'll talk about it throughout the rest of the week, but um, Rick and Kyle will probably say strokes gain around the green is the least important, the most volatile, the, the statistic that tells the least of a story. So I'll just give them that little bit of defense, because it's true. But I found it very interesting what Brooks said about that and how when he gets control of his golf ball all of a sudden you'll love this mark this week he's positive strokes gain around the green so you love seeing that he was able to uh, get up and down much more often so it is in control of his ball it's phenomenal i gotta say one more thing um i, I know the driving was better you were right and and he was started he was always talking about wanting to see the ball going left because that means that the fade's going to end up in the target you don't want the fade to start to the right for the right hander but it was uncanny to me also how all of a sudden with hitting some quality shots, getting on greens you're comfortable on, you know, the putts were starting online and he made putts from all over the place. So so it wasn't just the stuff around the greens. It wasn't just the iron player. I mean, he was pretty sharp with a putter and, and, and bar a wicked lip out on 17. I mean, that could have been 61. He and and um, you mentioned the putting. Jacob has a great stat here. Last year in his win here, um, he had a great week tee to green, but it was also one of the best putting weeks of his pro career. He averaged two point three four strokes game putting per round, which was the second best average uh, he's ever had over a seventy two hole event. So he definitely feels comfortable on these greens. He's definitely comfortable on the golf course tee to green as well. And um, I mean, this definitely seems like something. Um, that's going to be moving forward for him. It seems like something that's going to lead into next week, don't you think? Uh, well, I think Rick is tweeting about Brooks right now. And last week, one of my favorite human beings in the world, Carl Porter, 
makes some quip about Tony Finau saying, well, Finau is just going to drive the ball better. Then he'll shoot lower, right? Remember this one? Because you dove yes. in. Right. You doubled down and you said, well, not so much. Well, what was Brooks in the field driving today? Help me out. Uh, he was he was very, very high. I have it right here. Hang on. Brooks driving today was 26th strokes gain off the tee. There are about 76 players in the team. So he's, he's what, in the top Middle third? Of the Middle of the road. Yeah, but he, yeah. Hit, he hit irons well and he made putts. That he is led, a recipe for um, scoring. He led strokes gain tee to green and he led strokes gain approach the green. So when you lead in one of those categories, off the tee, approach the green, around, it, it goes very well to your tee to green stats. So slightly positive off the tee, big gain approaching the green, uh, and, it, and a wonderful day putting. Uh, fourth strokes gain putting, gaining what, what, 3.066 I have. So that's, yeah, it's key. Look, the, the guy that hits it really well is, has a chance. But the guy that putts well is the guy that scores well. So, Mark, I agree with you. It's extremely important. It just seems to be less volatile, right? You don't want to rely on it. Remember this. Miss putts, miss cuts. Yeah. (laughs) Miss putts, miss cuts. That has been a thing since Moby Dick was a minnow. Yeah, you got to you got to get the ball in the hole. It's the key to scoring. So I'm totally with you on that. And Mark, another player who scored extremely well today, uh, and it's not Rick Gaiman, it's another Rick, Ricky Fowler. And Ricky Fowler shot six under today, which was uh, an extremely impressive day for him, especially considering his round one scoring average. As as Jacob has pointed out, his round one scoring average is 192nd on tour. 71.6 is his average entering the week. And it gets a uh, it gets better throughout the rest of the week. Round two, he's one of the better players on tour, um, sixty eight point seven. And round three, seventy point eight. He's one hundred and fiftieth, and seventy point five in round four, which is one hundred and six. When you see Ricky get off to this kind of a start, are you feeling like he may have something figured out with the swing? Um, yes, he said the swing to me looked more online. It looked more poised. It looked better timed. I mean, uh, it was all discombobulated, you know, when we came back and he looked like he was fast away from the golf club with a body and he was almost too quickly through it. And then, and then today, just everything looked well matched up. And he, he commented afterwards that he went and spent some time. He had the week off. He had John Tillery's coach down there in South Florida. And, and he said two things. They stopped focusing on the swing. And they focused on playing more golf, focusing on scoring. And then he said also, he was just trying to get in his right side, his backside, and stay there for longer, which is out of the ordinary for him. And I feel like that matched stuff up. And balls were coming off on line. His swing looked well matched up. And of course, you know, that putting stroke is, is just so silky. And, and he made his share today again. So he, he looked... Not like the shadow of himself that he had been looking like over the last few weeks. And I'm keen to see if this goes on for the rest of the week and into next week, obviously. Um, the only thing to bear in mind is with soft conditions, I think sometimes it sort of mitigates you know, an errant golf shot or two because the ball stops where it lands. So, so he had, everyone had that going for themselves, but you still had to play well, and he certainly played well today. Yeah, only one guy's able to beat him. Um, but a similar, not as, not as good of a statistical model as Brooks, but somewhat similar, very good with the iron play. Um, he was seventh in strokes gain approach the green. He was eighth in putting, third around the green. And Mark, we see it again here where the off the tee number is down a little bit. He lost strokes off the tee. He's 58th strokes gain off the tee. So as you get closer to the hole, 
it tends to get more important. Um, but <laughs> over a long period of time, it does tend to it, it does tend to be the guys that drive the ball really well do really well. But they do really well when they have good weeks in all the other areas. Uh, I know I know that's my opinion. So here's the thing, Mark, with Ricky okay. Fowler. The question isn't about what happens today, despite the fact that this 64 is so much better than his 71.6 round one scoring average. The question with Ricky is, can he get the job done in the moment on Sunday when he's battling a Brooks Kepka down the stretch uh, or, or, you know, anyone on this leaderboard, uh, uh, Brendan Todd, a Sun Kang, a Matt Kuchar. It doesn't matter with Ricky. Can Ricky, can he, can he go out there and get the job done? Um, regardless of the situation, regardless of his opponent. What do you think? Is this the kind of, is he ready? Do you think Ricky is ready to go get a win? Well, you know, if I knew that, I guess I'd be way better at calling props bets and stuff (laughs) in our props games. Uh, But the one thing I can tell you is that, yes, he has spilled some events and he hasn't finished stuff off. But there have been times, like at the Players' Championship, at Quail Hollow, and both of those are demanding golf courses over their closing stretch. Um, then I, th- there was a win at um, in Phoenix, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. We sort of hung tough and finished over also a demanding stretch of holes. So he has finished before. Has he finished what people think like he should? No. But you must bear in mind also that Fowler is one of those guys that grabs a lot of hype. Uh, and so as a, because there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of conversation. And because he's the outfits are loud and, and he's such a good guy and he's easily likable and there's all the stuff on the go, all of a sudden, sometimes we think, well, hey, uh, Ricky, you should be winning more than this. Yeah, well, he also plays well a lot, which also is a mm-hmm. big factor in this. In the past seven seasons, there are only uh, five players who have more top tens than him. Ricky has 49. You have Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, and Matt Kuchar. Uh, and Matt Kuchar may be the question mark, but everybody else above him is really a prolific winner and um, without question, a Hall of Famer. So it, it's, uh, it's impressive. He's won four times. Yeah. And as you know, you've worked with players at the highest level. They don't give away victories on the PGA Tour. I'm related to a guy who won a major and an event that used to be a major in the Western Open. And those are like crowning achievements, those sorts of things. So I think sometimes it, we, we're a little too lavish in saying, well, oh, this guy's talented. He should have 10 win, wins. No one's ever guaranteed a win ever. And, and I think that's where we need to be a little smart, perhaps, when it comes to players like, you know, think about Jordan. At, at one stage, folks were basically already etching his name into the block outside the World Golf Village because of the Hall of Fame thing, because they're, they're like, Multiple majors, multiple wins, and all of a sudden stuff stalls. Now, Jordan would love to win just anything right now. So, so we've, we've got to be a little careful with that sort of stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, I do understand. Although, I, I think, and, and we got to move on here, but I do think there's more to the judgment of Ricky than just the fact that he's not winning. It has to do with the performance down the stretch. Does he get a little conservative? Does he make a big mistake? What, what is it with it? Like even his win at the waste management that you mentioned, you know, he kind of tries to give it away. I know there's a crazy rule situation, but he shoots 74 in the final round and makes it very interesting. So it, it makes us feel nervous when Ricky's in contention. We don't feel confident he's going to get the job done, even though he's won some big events. I mean, Beating Rory McIlroy in a playoff at the Wells Fargo, the Players Championship he won. I, and, I remember that. Okay. Yeah, I mean those are step up there and you, 
Ah, and you step up there and whip a driver over the water on 18 and, and you finish with a birdie. I mean, that is clutch. Yeah. And then you get there on 17. What was it? Four times he flagged it. He flagged wedges over there. Yeah. That is hard. To... And Kisner was doing it too. They were back and forth. It was, it was great to see, but, um, but Mark, the story of the day. Okay. This is, if it, if it's not Brooks Kepka, this is certainly the story of the day. It's getting <laughs> all the buzz and it, we- the biggest guy on the golf course against maybe the smallest creature on the golf course, Bryson versus Fire Ants. I would tell you the story, but we don't have to. Let's hear it from Bryson. That's not a burrowing animal. It is or isn't, right? Yeah, I mean, it is or isn't. Yeah, that's that's what she's. Yeah, so, so I mean, there's a red ant coming out of it. Right there. But. Yeah, the, I get the situation. Yeah, yeah, sure. But what's the ruling? Well, it's, it's either a hole or it's not. I mean, it's, it's, an, animal it's not a hole? an animal hole or not. So it's, it's definitely a hole. I mean, okay. uh, is it an animal hole? I don't, I don't see it as that. Very interesting story. And if if just listening to it, if you didn't get enough, make sure you go over to YouTube and watch us. We got some video there. Thanks to our producer, Jacob. So um, make sure you go over there. But this is kind of the story of the day for, for Bryson, wasn't it, Mark? I mean, he hit four fairways, and he still managed to shoot three under, but it wasn't uh, the smooth sailing, easygoing three under that we've kind of gotten used to seeing out of Bryson. Okay, true. I'll concede that. And, and that I, I have to give a bunch of credit to Ken Tackett, the rules official there, because he was so polite, but this was not going anywhere. And Bryson was doing what Bryson's supposed to be doing. I mean, people will say this is slimy and you're taking your chances. But let me, I'll, I'll throw some names at you. Seve Ballesteros, uh, Tiger Woods even. These guys, t- they, they know the rules and they are going to work the things to their best advantage when it comes to, you know, perhaps getting the benefit of the doubt. Now, did Bryson push the red fire end thing a little too far? Yeah, because it was well out of reach of where it was going to stand. But anyway, you've got to try your luck, which he did. But now the shadow to the 67, which you said wasn't as plain sailing as what we've seen. He was five under through 11. Okay, so that was tied for the lead at the time. And the truth of it is, he really didn't play that well. And he shot 67. And he's in the mix again. And over a four-round event, you talk about Fowler, does he finish? I'm saying to you, if you're not playing very well, and you are driving it hard, but not when playing out of the rough and still shooting this on your bad day, <laughs> you better watch out. You better watch out for this guy. Yeah, you got to figure he's going to get a couple different breaks. Maybe he gets a fire ant ruling. Maybe his ball doesn't end up <laughs> surrounded by sticks. You never know what happens the next couple of days, but you're right. I mean, it almost felt like it was the, well, he got a lot out of it, let's say, but it felt like that was the bad round for Bryson this week. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what he does going forward on a golf course that, again, I mean, it rewards great driving, and long hitters have won here and, and regularly do. But at the same time, there are some narrow landing areas out there. I mean, what do you, in, in your opinion, looking at the golf course, would you expect this to be a Bryson kind of a golf course? Uh, yeah, well, before I go there, I just, I have looked at the statistics now. I guess you guys are rubbing off on me. Okay. And I said, the 17th in strokes gained off the tee. <laughs> yeah. Four fairways. Uh, okay. And, uh, um, he battled around the greens and he putted. Okay. I mean, he was 12th in the field. Um, does the course suit Bryson? Um, 
I don't know. You look at the leaderboard and you see just a mix of players up there. There's Ches Reavy who doesn't hit the thing very far at all. You've got Bryson, you've got Brooks who can bomb it. You've got a whole mix, real eclectic looking leaderboard. The one thing I will say to you is that, and, and now I'm, I guess I'm beefing up Kyle and Rick's argument, that if you're hitting it that far, you're getting shorter clubs into some of these targets. And we saw him with a few wedges in there that he hit very well. And what I do want to acknowledge is that we were the crowd they were critiquing his wedge play leading into the win and then the win at Detroit because the wedge play wasn't that sharp. Well, Bryson, to his credit, has really dialed that stuff up. And he had some quality wedges today. So, you know, does the course suit him? I don't know. Uh, can the course withstand that onslaught? I also don't know. But I do know he's stacking the probability in his favor. And the more he gets wedges in there and the better he hits them, the better his chances are. Well, if, if we can avoid a, another fire ant attack, I think Bryson's going to be hanging around for the weekend. So uh, very, very, you know, and I mean in the mix, of course, there's, it's a non-cut event. So everybody's playing the weekend. But I do think you're going to see Bryson near the top of the leaderboard. He's just that good. And that's the bad round. So it's definitely looking good. Um, just as a reminder, we do have early tee times tomorrow. We're going to talk about some of those. We're going to tell you who to keep your eye on coming up for next Friday. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Okay, Mark, going into Friday, we have early tea times. It's a reminder we're going split teas tomorrow morning from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an early start. I love how the PGA's tour uh, the PGA tour does that. By the way, they're moving tea times based on weather. I think it's extremely uh, wise, and it's worked out quite well. But Mark, is there anybody that you have your eye on heading into tomorrow who's going to make a big jump or who's going to play a lot better than they did today? <laughs> Yeah, I've got a couple. I, I want to see how Brooks goes because Brooks could essentially make this one-way traffic. He gets out early tomorrow morning on some good greens. If if he stacks five and on on top of eight, he's thirteen, and then it's plain sailing. Um, and you could es essentially, you know, put it beyond people's reach. But, but so I'm watching Brooks. I'm watching Justin Thomas because very quietly he put together around a four under par, and he's right in the thick of things. But what I am just hugely disappointed in. And I, I tabbed him at the beginning of the event thinking he was going to come at you with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and there was going to be some grind about him is Rory McIlroy. 
Now, credit to him, he did birdie two of his last three holes, but it was a scrapping, scrappy looking round. He was five over through about um, 15, and it was just messy. And so I'm keen to see, because it is a no-cut event, can Rory after 73, which is three over, get out there and shoot something in the mid-60s and thrust himself back into the story and at least give himself a chance over the weekend to t do something like superhuman, which he's capable of, to make a run at this thing because today that's 73 i mean i would have bet my mortgage on the fact that he would have shot under par spotting uh, a brooks kepka 11 shots especially when brooks is starting to gather some confidence is not something i highly recommend so rory's going to need three really good rounds to get back in the mix but i think you're right i think he could put together something a little better tomorrow for rory to shoot in the mid 60s tomorrow would be uh, I would say almost expected. So I, I really like that pick. I'm going to throw two guys at you. They're both two under par, and I think they're they're fixing for a really good weekend. One may come as a surprise to you, Graham McDowell. Graham McDowell, you look at what he did. He made three bo three birdies in a row late, which was um, pretty exciting, and he got himself to two under. He was one over heading into those three holes, but um, he was third in strokes gain off the tee, which is kind of unlike a, a Graham McDowell. He was sixth approach the green, and he was 66th in putting. He lost a shot and a half putting. I'm thinking a, a Graham McDowell with that putting stroke. I mean, it's one of the best in the game. I think he's going to get something figured out on the greens tomorrow uh, and maybe show us a, a, a really, really low one. And then, you know, go, go ahead, Mark. No, I just want to, want to say, because you get me thinking now, and I'm thinking beyond the big names, and, and I'm going to critique myself and say to, say to you, can we ever just give Brendan Todd some love? Oh, yeah, I know. The poor this guy, just week in and week out, brings it. Yeah, got two yeah. victories on the season, uh, six under today. Um, just didn't look like he was ever going to shoot anything more, to be honest with you, playing from the fairway, making putts that meant something. And so I'm, I'm keen to see how he builds on this because the golf course, in a funny way, is rewarding the power guy, but it's also allowing the accurate guy to play. And I like that about this venue. Yeah, you got to hit good. There's small targets out there. You have to hit good shots. That's why you see a Ches Reevy. That's why you see a Brendan Todd up there in the mix. They're rewarded for some of their shot making. So I love the Brendan Todd thing. I feel like if I pick Brendan Todd, he's going to, I looked at his name and he's played well here before. I just, I thought I'm going to pick Brendan Todd and he's going to come in last in the field or something. It hasn't played in a WGC in a while. And there he is proving me wrong. So good for him. I mean, he, I mean, I hope he continues it because he is right in the thick of the player of the year conversation, which nobody, and probably including Brendan Todd, nobody expected. So definitely somebody to keep your eye on. But a player who you may have thought at the beginning of the year was going to be uh, in the player of the year discussion, he is two under, as I said, and it's Xander Shoffley. And Xander Shoffley, I'm watching not because of any statistic other than, well, he didn't make a bogey today. Um, and, and he hit the ball okay, and he putted okay, and he didn't really do anything special. But here's the thing about Xander. He does really, really well in no-cut in no events. He does really well in four-round tournaments. Last week at the Memorial, after a 78 in the first round, if it was a three-round tournament and it was the next three whole, um, the next the the three rounds after the first one, I think he would have won the thing. He played great, got himself into the top ten. So Xander is definitely a guy I'm looking for to make a move, not just tomorrow, but through the rest of the week. I'm with you over there. He's he's the sort of guy that will show up 
uh, in a marathon around a difficult golf course and the golf course is playing easier the the average strokes uh, the field stroke average was just a shade under par of 70 so it's playing easier than normal but 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 i like that call over there so mark uh, thank you so much for joining me today great job on the coverage um so make sure you stick around the rest of the week thank you for watching thanks for listening we'll be back at you tomorrow for the second round coverage of the wgc FedEx St. Jude Invitational. I'm Greg Ducharme. You can find me on Twitter at TheRealGFD. And you can find Mark on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. That's it for the first cut. Talk to you tomorrow. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.